0: I'm Shaharazani, and in the news, the rising wave of anti Semitism in the United States and across the world in the wake of Israel's operation against Hamas terrorist organization in Gaza. As we know, anti Semitism appears in many ways, shapes, and forms. And it took a violent turn when Jews were attacked on the streets of London, Berlin, Los Angeles, and New York, among other places. The bias against the Jewish state, which fueled much anger, appeared also in the way traditional media covered the main story, as well as the way it was depicted on a variety of social media outlets. One such public incident took place with the New York Times when the National Director Emeritus of the Anti-Defamation League, Abraham Foxman, publicly canceled his subscription to the paper, stating, I grew up in America on the New York Times. I delivered the New York Times to my classmates. I learned civics, democracy, and all the news fit to print for 65 years, but no more. Today's blood libel of Israel and the Jewish people on the front page is enough. Foxman decried the paper's bias against Israel and the paper's front page depicting supposed pictures of Palestinian children who were killed during the recent Israeli operation against Hamas in Gaza. The move was criticized by many in the Jewish world as giving the false and harmful impression to readers that Israel targets children and civilians when the reality, as we well know, is just the opposite. The Israel Defense Forces did and does its utmost best to avoid such casualties, whereas Hamas randomly and deliberately targets civilians while hiding behind civilians. To discuss this important issue and more, I am privileged to have with me on JBS the legendary Abe Foxman, an admired community leader, activist, and thinker. Abe, thank you so much for joining us on JBS. It's a pleasure having you. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Thank God now. Baruch Hashem yom yom. As we say, it was a lot different a year ago. So we we begin to appreciate things we took for granted, uh, hugging our children and grandchildren and, and hopefully hopefully visiting Israel pretty soon.
0: You know, it's a it's a great opening point for our conversation, because just like reality today, my starting point has always been not to take Israel for granted and its existence and the privilege we all have at standing up for Israel and Jewish people, and especially you, Abe, which leads me to the first question of, you know, the story of The New York Times front page. Um, Tell us a little bit about your feelings and your thought process when you opened the, the paper that Friday and saw those images.
1: Well, sadly, I wish to say to you, I wish I could say it was a shocking surprise. It wasn't, because it was part of a pattern. And it was, you know, as we say colloquially, it was the straw that broke the camel's back, or from our perspective, Higiyyumayamad nafesh. That's as the the water came that high when I said, Okay, enough. But I ironically and sadly, um, it's a long process. The New York Times Jewishly owned. Jewishly owned, and of course, accused by all anti-Semites and all people who don't like the Jews as a Jewish newspaper, the Jews control the media, always had a problem with their being Jewish. And, and even, even in the days of the Holocaust, of World War II, the Holocaust didn't almost didn't exist in the pages of the New York Times. There recently was an exhibit at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington about America and the Shoah. And as you walk through the exhibits, um, (laughs) Jews being killed was covered on page one in Omaha, but it wasn't covered in the New York Times. So from those days, they had issues with Jews. Um, The general manager, whose name was Abe Rosenthal, was told if he's to continue as general manager, he had to change his name so Hasva Khalila wouldn't be too Jewish, and he became A.M. Rosenthal. So they, they have a problem when it came to the establishment of the state of Israel and there were forces in the American Jewish community then called the American Council of Judaism that was worried about double loyalty, Zionism that Jews will be considered uh, not loyal enough to. And that was part that infected um, the the leadership of um, of the New York Times, and they were opposed editorially to the establishment after the state of Israel, (laughs) after the Shoah. Okay, even after the Shoah, they and and this this continued. So it's not something new, but again, you know, um, it is the newspaper of record. It is sadly it is i i already miss it it's 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 been a week that i've cancelled and i already miss it because except for that blind spot um it's pretty good all right politically you have to be on the left side of the political agenda but but that's fine now they this war they covered like all other wars anti-israel always focusing on the other there was one story it, it was not a story, it was a tabella, it was a, it was a, a box doing day one, two, three, four, five, six. And it, all it talked about was Israeli, Israeli rockets into Gaza, God, not Gaza rockets into Israel. It listed all the, the dead, it, it was so hideous. The editorials, it was all over. And then when I opened up, picked up the New York Times and saw this, I said, that's enough. That's enough, and and you know, um, I don't believe in cancel culture. Uh, I made a decision for myself. I shared the decision. I'm not telling anybody what to do. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to make a difference, which is even sadder. Which is even they're doing well. Um, it, it's just sad that this this very serious instrument at a time where where media is important, more important because there we've lost truth in this country, the media is being challenged. My God, I wish they would open up their eyes and see what they're doing.
0: I I agree with you, and I hope uh, they'll be worthy of you, Abe. And especially saying those things from your perspective, you're not just another reader of the Times. Your experience for decades in this country and beyond in showcasing the uh, fight, the struggle against anti-Semitism. I want to ask you about, you know, uh, an interaction that happened last week on Bill Maher's show on HBO when Nicholas Kristoff was interviewed on the issue of Israel and Gaza, and there was a very telling moment because uh, Kristoff wrote, of course. A scathing op-ed against Israel, in which he infused a paragraph almost just kind of like to balance things out and said something nice about you know Israel and Israeli Arabs, etc. All this at a time when Israeli Arabs are galloping into the Zionist coalition. But still, and when Bill Maher opened the question with with stating that paragraph, you could almost see Kristoff fidgeting in his seat uncomfortably, saying you know smilingly there was a context to my remarks did you catch that
1: yeah and he was very uncomfortable when he had to admit that you know call israel apartheid arabs in the are in the knesset they vote they, they're doctors they're lawyers they're judges etc so these people have difficulty uh, admitting the truth but shaha i i, I said publicly uh, when i came to this country The Times was my civics lesson. I learned democracy. Uh, This is, every day I came to school, I went to yeshiva. I even made 50 cents a week distributing the New York Times. Um, Wherever I would go globally, You know, it was the international edition of the Herald, which is an element of, so it it is very, very sad. It is very, very sad.
0: You you know, one thing was also striking for me in that conversation when, he actually, Christoph compared the existence of the bureaucratic Ministry of Defense in Tel Aviv to Hamas firing missiles from within civilian population. I found it incomprehensible how somebody of any kind of intelligence would even compare the two. Can you explain? I mean, how could that how could that even work? Justify their prejudice. It's to justify their
1: bias. So here was the Kiryat, Ministry of Defense, which was placed in Tel Aviv when Tel Aviv was a little ghost town. Right. When, when it was nothing, it was farmland. <laughs> this is where it was. They were Quonset huts. I remember going to visit the ministry. It was, you know, like in a camp. And then the city grew around it. And to to have the chutzpah, the audacity to to compare this to the fact that the Hamas placed their their military in homes in homes missiles and homes so it is sad because he is smart he is knowledgeable he has an influencer but in order to in order to cover up on his deep-seated whatever he, he's got a problem with us he's got a problem with us he he, he has to go to lies he has to go to exaggerations and, and sadly, you know, people, not all people listen to both sides. And a lot of people read him without hearing Bill Maher.
0: Right. And, you know, um, at the same time, we don't see the problem only with The New York Times. We're seeing celebrity media figures of uh, the younger generation, people like The Daily Show, Trevor Noah and John Oliver on HBO. And they also provide a very biased view of uh, the reality, almost telling Israel: if only you show us more Jewish blood, will we agree to your right to defend yourselves? And I also find it—it's just like this. This uh, propaganda war has completely quashed intelligentsia to speaking such utter nonsense. I mean, is it that severe, Abe?
1: Yeah, but I would say, I don't know how much blood would satisfy that, but you're saying something else. We're focusing on the New York Times because it is the New York Times, but it's the Washington Post, it's NBC, it's CBS, it's BBC, it's CNN. It's horrific to watch and see smart, intelligent people. So blinded, so blindsided. And I, I there's another thing I, you know, there used to be time before you were born. I could understand all of it because America's air was oil. America lived, breathed. I remember we once in the ADL, I took out an ad during the oil boycott, all with a barrel of oil on its side, and it said oil. It can heat your hand, it could heat. Your Heat your house, run your car, and blackmail your country, and then it almost, it made sense. It wasn't nice, it wasn't good, but people live on interest; they follow interest, and so American farm policy and the corporations and everybody else—they needed that oil to breathe, to, to move, and so we were expendable. Oil was coming from Saudi Arabia and the Gulf, and what did Israel have? Values, okay, you know. Um, so I, I, there was there was a sick. Rationale, interest, governance. Now we don't need their oil, so it's not a question of placating, uh, you know, those needs. Now it's much deeper. It's much more serious. It's, 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 and it's the intelligentsia. But look, look, its an element of anti-Semitism. Uh, I think that Israel is a platform. It's—it gives them a legitimacy. For they're not liking Jews. I, I, you know, I don't buy anymore. I, you know, this anti-Zionism is nonsense. Except maybe for the ten people you and I can identify who don't like anybody's nationalism. You don't like Zionism. You better not like Palestinian nationalism. You don't like Zionism. You better not like American. That's fine. You know, you could be that. But no, everybody else's nationalism and self-determination is fine, except for Jewish, and that to me is anti-Semitism. And here too. I, look, you want to criticize Israel, call that kavod. But I want to hear you. I want to hear you criticize Saudi Arabia and Russia and China and Myanmar. And if you don't, this is all nonsense. So here too, there is something much, much, much deeper. Um, you know, look, Zionism. Zionism was established, grew up. To, to solve the problem of anti Semitism. So it would be a natural, normal, independent, like everybody else. Ironically, what was not permitted for Jews now is becoming not permitted for Israel. So as we become the Jew of the nations. What country isn't allowed to, to protect itself, to defend itself? What country can't decide on its own capital? So, yeah, it, 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 it's a platform of pseudo legitimacy for those who have a problem with us. And sadly, there are a lot of people who don't like us, have a problem with us. Mark Twain, Mark Twain, who ironically, uh, besides being this great American uh, cultural icon, became a major, major advocate against anti-Semitism. He got himself in trouble uh, financially, he had to take a trip um, to Europe to give speeches to make money to pay his debts. And he came back and he wrote an essay called Concerning the Jews. And he wrote and he said, wherever I went, I found anti-Semitism, rich people, poor people, smart people, stupid people, religious people, atheists. And he said, it was just overwhelming. There was always somebody else and had another reason. And, uh, and he he came up with a, with his own answer. And his answer was that the Jews succeed. So it's a jealousy. Well, that's a big problem. What do you do, tell your children to be number two or number three? Uh, so, and, and he said, he wrote in the 1890s, he said there's this guy, Herzl, who wants a Jewish state. Can you imagine if all the Jewish smarts came to one place? <laughs> How it will impact on the world. But ironically, ironically, anti-Semitism the oldest of hatreds serves a lot of masters. it metastasizes, and so this month, this month, like like seven years ago, et cetera, it serves the master of why do you attack Jews because they support Israel okay so that's now the reason. So there are pogroms in Los Angeles in New York. And, and, and Tulsa, and whatever, and, and Salt Lake City, Why why are Jews all of a sudden targets again? Not because they're successful, not because they control the media, not because they control finance. Now it's because they support this apartheid colonialist state and therefore they're deserving. That's today. You know, so when you we, we're gonna talk or we talk about the anti-Semitism, Lama, why? The answer is if we knew we could eliminate. It. If we knew, maybe we'd find a vaccine or an antidote. The truth is it serves a purpose, it serves a need. People need to have a somebody that they can attack. And we unfortunately. You know, God's given us a lot of good things, but he's also made us the object and the subject of the chosenness. We're right. chosen to be singled out. We're chosen to be people who, who hate us because they're jealous.
0: Okay. Hey, but, but, but it seems to me, um, and you, of course, can, uh, I, I'd love your opinion from your vantage point, that what's happening in this round is first of all, a very quick slippery slope from the political realities on the ground in Israel into beating up Jews in Times Square. And then we all need to remember that it started with social media TikTok of Arabs beating up Jews on the light rail in Jerusalem, and then manifested in Arabs beating up Jews on the streets of LA and New York. And in in addition, the blatant anti-Semitism. there was the interview the other day on CNN with uh, the Pakistani foreign minister who started by saying, you know, they have all of these connections in the media and all of that money. So naked out there, just in your face, people feel that, that they they have the uh, ability to speak in such a way and they can get away with it? The fact is,
1: it was always there. It was always there. And it was deep, even in our country, it was deep. Those of us who who worked in the vineyards of fighting the prejudice, and I've been doing it for 50 years, we came to realization a long time ago. It's a yesh, Haya, it it was, it is, and it will be, till till we find an antidote. If we didn't find an antidote after Auschwitz, when Auschwitz was laid bare to the world, now we have generations who don't know, but then the world knew. They saw what hate can do. They saw what anti-Semitism can bring. If we didn't put together all the scientists, all the social, everybody to find the antidote to hate, because we were just the first target, then we're not gonna have it. So we came to the realization, it will be with us. And for, I don't know, 50 years, we kept on saying to first to the Jewish community, then to the the general, it is serious, it's here, it's now. What we did is we developed a, a firewall, a containment policy. We used all elements and we used the law, we used education. We used um, coalitions. We used the truth. Now, anti-Semitism is a lie. How do you answer a lie with the truth? We had the truth. We had the media. Then what happened in the last several years are, are two things. First, um, internet, social media, which changed the whole. We still don't know what impact it's having on us. We know it's destroyed privacy. It's in a it's in a process, and I would even say it's already destroyed civility. So this this firewall, the containment that we had of a consensus of what's right, what's wrong, what's moral, what's immoral, what's truth or lie, which served us very well, in not in eliminating anti, but keeping it in the sewers, keeping it in the bottle, not yet letting it out. So the internet just. It's a superhighway, yes, for good things. Look, it's making it's, it's it's enabling us to talk, you know, I'm home and you're you home and we'll broadcast it to, to the world. So wonderful. But it also is a superhighway which which anonymously in nanoseconds permits uh, the, the transmission of hate data. now. The other thing that's happened, and in our country but globally, is we 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 destroyed a consensus on what's right and wrong. Thanks to Mr. Trump. Now you know I, he didn't create anti-Semitism. He didn't create hate, but he gave it to Heksha. It's okay. So the Charlottesville two hundred. Donald Trump didn't create, they were always there. And I know in the ADL, we knew who they were, we knew what they were saying, we knew, but they didn't have the chutzpah to stand up in front of a camera and say, we will replace the Jews. So that's the new atmosphere where all taboos are gone now. So the the, the, the Pakistani, was a Pakistani? Yeah, you know, foreign he minister. Always was an anti-Semite, but he would maybe say that a party in in, wherever it was in Karachi or whatever. But now all of a sudden he feels it's okay. It's okay to say it on international television because the atmosphere has changed. Plus he feels the wind behind him that when he googles Jews, wow, the algorithms show him that everybody hates Jews,
0: which is you are so you are so correct because he actually mentions as much in the interview. He says outrightly, I'm just saying what everybody knows.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, that's the problem. Listen, many years ago, um, when I was at the ADL and the internet came, was starting to to grow, um, I took trips to Palo Alto and I met with some of these geniuses. And I said, to them, I didn't understand a lot of it. And I said, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. You've given us the means of educating information, uh, this is all wonderful. But they're unintended consequences of your genius. I don't blame you for it, but you have a responsibility. Their answer then to me was algorithms. algorithms. But you know, they blamed everything on algorithms. But the truth is, we now know, we didn't know as much then, they control the algorithms. Right. Listen, Sha, on, on my tweet on the New York Times. It would, as of now, there are 4,800,000 impressions. 4,800,000 people in less than a week have touched that tweet. It doesn't happen by magic. It happens because people are manipulating. They're taking it to an audience. The audience say they're pushing it. They're pushing it out. Somebody's doing for either for money or for interest or whatever. So it's a new tool which has so impacted. Now-
0: Well, now, I, I, have to, I have to say that in this regard, I am very happy that your voice was echoed to such a degree and hopefully it will continue to echo. This is the one time where I fully support the algorithm, but I get what you're saying. But
1: it's, but it's scary because somebody's playing it. Somebody's playing positive and negative and, and they have a power that we never believed. I don't think they believed that they would have. Uh, but now they now now they admit that they play with the algorithms and it's for profit. Okay, and, um, and look, politically it's been used. Obama first came on it. Trump, you know, a lot of people said wonderful. When Trump began to learn how to use it, it was it not so wonderful? So it, it is a double-edged sword. And look, you and I, maybe more I than you, grew up. How do you deal with 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 bad news? With good news? How do you deal with the lie with the truth? But if the, if, the, if the lie comes in a tsunami, how do you deal with it? So we need to find, we need to be able to balance uh, freedom of speech with civility. And we haven't, found, we haven't found that formula yet. And we have to also say to our people in Palo Alto, thank you, but no thank you.
0: So you're, you're as you attested to it yourself, you're an eternal optimist and uh, naturally your kind of leadership. What's your recommendation? What do you, uh, you know, the young adults that come to me, that come to the community, that come to you now and say, Abe, what do you think we should do at this point in time? How can we engage in the fight against anti-Semitism? What would you tell them?
1: I think first and foremost, there's something which is not so wonderful and that is security, 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 security. Uh, In all the years in the ADL, when we knew that it's there, it exists, we're not eliminating it. Um, We we said, don't, you know, security is not an issue you deal with, uh, you know, after a bombing, you deal before a bombing, before an attack. Um, So number one, we need, yes, yes. Thank God there's law enforcement in this country. Thank God the police are are not like in Kishinev or or in Damascus, There are allies. But still, first and foremost, we need to worry about our security. And so that's one. Um, number two, um, I think it's a question we need to be proud, we need to stand up. What scares me, what disturbs me is when I read the Jews are removing Kipot from their head for safety and security, or they're taking, you know, down the, the Magenda David, the Star of David. That's a victory to the anti-Semites, which they, you know, we shouldn't give them. So if you have security you can publicly continue to be proud who you are. Then we need um, to educate, you know, thank God the American Jewish community has learned how to utilize its God-given political rights. Um, I once argued, I remember with Erdogan, who said to me, oh, the Jews could I said, no, we don't have power, we have influence. And he said to me, well, what's the difference? I said, there's a big difference. When you ask me to do you a favor and I don't succeed, and then you say, oh, those goddamn Jews, they didn't want to do it for me, they have the power. No, but I said, you need to understand, you asked me to do something. And if I think it's the right thing to do, I will use my influence. Why? Because Jews have used their God-given civic rights to vote, to support, to speak up. Well, now we need to do it more than we've ever done it before. We need to stand up for, for rights, for Israel, for what we believe. We need to embrace Shachar, our friends you know it, it it's a it's a much longer conversation. I don't think we should be i don't think we should be wasting energy um you know attacking the squad okay you know what the, the squad is the squad it's not the democratic party, it's not America. um I remember the Republican Party had its Pat Buchanans and its per- senator Percys and you know what they were more powerful than the squad, and they didn't have their way. I think what we should be smart is embrace our friends. Tell our friends, thank you. Tell them we will support them. Tell them it's important, rather than take out ads about somebody who we're making bigger than they are. So even the celebrities, you know what? We've, we, we've made them much bigger. Their voices are much bigger. You know what? Put them down, move on. Embrace your friends. Show your friends that it's important that they stand up. So security, pride of who you are, and standing up to what you believe in. Shachar, I felt I felt very disappointed in the American Jewish community in the last two weeks. Um, I I know I didn't see them in the streets supporting Israel. I don't. To me, I always when everybody said, "Oh, the American Jews—they're not. They're less." You want to know something? The American Jews care more about Israel than anybody knows, um, because I grew up at a time but American Jews didn't even know where Israel was. Today, half of American Jews were in Israel. You have more institutions on the college campus pro-Israel than we could ever imagine. So, you know, and, and if they disagreed, they care, you know, they, they didn't care before. So, but something happened, it's partially Israel's fault. Right? And Israel. say, why? Because Israel did not communicate to the world or certainly to, even to the Jewish community that it was in danger. It really was in danger. This was a serious crisis. Has Khalilah if the Hezbollah opened up, how many iron domes are there in the world, you know? And Jews did not perceive this threat and weren't ready to go to the streets the way I think the world should have seen them. And so now part of it is because the, the, the Israeli leadership wasn't there. The Israeli leadership was preoccupied in, in this, you know, unimaginable, Israel was under threat, real threat.
0: You know, I I completely agree with you that we can, uh, on an individual level, we can and should do more. I was speaking in one of the rallies on Long Island, and I remember thinking to myself, I really have to aim my phone well to get a shot where it seems fuller than it is, but then they show you the images on Queens Boulevard uh, where you see thousands of people march, Some, some of them or too many of them useful idiots holding signs of from the river to the sea, not even realizing what that means. But I think that the biggest message here is to rise up, of course, take care of your security. And if I'm hearing you correctly, for our uh, younger audience on college campuses. It's about not just focusing on the bad guys, on SJP and others, but also building alliances with other groups on campus. Show them your colors, find means to collaborate so that they get to know you as person to person, which will build long-term relationship, not just as Israel, but as Jews, as people.
1: Yeah, but, but also not with pink rose colored glasses. We stand with others we stand with others. We stand because it's part of our values, it's part of our tradition, it's tikkun alam, for whatever it is. And if they don't stand with us, you know what? We need to demand. It's not a prid pro quo. We don't make a quid pro quo when we stand up. But when we are in trouble and, and they're not there, we need to learn lessons or teach
0: lessons. Very good. Um, I I, I can tell you that on a diplomatic level, when I served in Africa, these were some of the tough cases we had when we used to have relationship bilaterally and then it didn't manifest itself on the international stage. And like you said, friendship is friendship. It has to go both ways. Abe, I can't thank you enough. Uh, This conversation has been amazing, not just for me, but for all of our viewers and listeners. Uh, Your wisdom is tantamount to gold. Thank you for sharing it with us.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having the opportunity to share and discuss,
0: there's and a lot. Your, your yeah. clarion voice against the evil of anti-Semitism and the Jewish people is much needed today. And I hope that uh, everybody who listened at least took notes as to what the next steps are. I know I sure did. Thank you,
1: thank
0: you. For JBS, I'm Shaharazani. Until next time, see you soon, shalom and lehito.